Well, hello, White Sox fans. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, watching and waiting for impending doom as the MLBPA and MLB are meeting for what is the uh, final time before the imposed deadline of February 28th. Um, I guess sort of encouraging news is coming through uh, on Twitter through uh, John Heyman, but as we know, we're also looking at you know a bunch of Grimtall, thanks for the resub. Appreciate it. Seven months, man. Thank you. That is awesome. Yes, sir. Get a little Timmy strut for you. Um, yeah, I mean, you're hearing positive things, but we, you know, the guys that you're hearing it from are guys that are the infamous, uh, how would you say, uh, water carriers for the MLB owners, uh, aka the guys who didn't get fired from MLB Network. Um, so I don't know yeah. what do you, what do you think is going to happen here? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and go with uh, I don't buy that they're any closer today than they were on December first when the owners decided to uh, lock the players out so that they could speed up the process of negotiating a new uh, collecting a bargaining agreement uh, followed by nearly two months of uh, no discussion whatsoever. So, uh, you know, the whole thing sucks for us fans, uh, whether you side with players or owners, you know, at this point, the reality is, is we're all sitting here waiting to see something and not much is happening. And, you know, you, you talk about the good news that you might be hearing from, like you said, John Heyman is about the only guy I've heard say that progress was made and that uh, anything was close. Uh, followed by a, an article that I read, probably that came out about 20 minutes after I saw that tweet from John saying that uh, yesterday the players were ready to get up and walk away from the table and not come back. So I, I don't know about you. you I take all of it with a grain of salt and kind of hope that there's a, a middle point there where maybe there's progress being made. It's just not being made quick enough, but you know, fingers crossed, man is about as best I can say at this point. Yeah. And, uh, for those of you, uh, new and, uh, that haven't been here before or are listening to for the first time, this is White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge, and that is my co-host, the Danny Miller. Uh, sorry to bring you in on such a somber garbage note, uh, because this, this whole thing, it's got everybody kind of, uh, off their game, you know? We're supposed to be watching spring training news right now, seeing the White Sox players in Arizona, see them taking infield, see the pitchers all together out on the uh, the mounds out there on the backfields, and see everybody doing their thing. And we are forced to supplant that. Not that I mind, but in general, you know, we, we are forced to uh, live vicariously through watching the minor leaguers do that uh, while they're in Arizona for their minor league camp. Meanwhile, the the big boys are still locked out 
And I don't know what hope there is for the lockout ending here without, you know, without canceling at least some games. And that's unfortunate. I, I know that, uh, you know, Evan, Evan Drellick from the, uh, from the athletic says that deals not close, but not impossible. CBT thresholds, pre-arb pool, big issues among others. MLB has proposed two choices, a 14 team expanded postseason, minimum of 700 K and 40 million into a pre-arb pool or B a 12 team expanded postseason with 675, the minimum and 20 million into the pre-arb pool. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's the thing. We've talked about this a little bit before in shows past. Oh, really? uh, who knows how? Who knows how many shows past <laughs> it's been at this point? Because we you know we're we're nearing the hundred day mark in this uh, in this lockout. So we've been talking about this quite a while. But uh, you know, you talk about extended postseason, and the reality is this: extended postseason just means that there's more ticket sales more concessions revenues, more, uh, you know, Jersey and hat and merchandise sales, more local revenues, all going into the pockets of the owner. And the owners want to make these minute bumps to, you know, try to appease the players association. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're talking huge amounts of money coming in for the playoffs and you want to bump it up to 14 teams and not really concede anywhere else money wise. It just, it seems like everything's geared towards, you know, we want to make more money. We want to give you less. And if we do give you more, it's not going to be much more. So, yeah, you know, we talk about that, that CBT threshold, uh, players wanted something in the area of like two forty. I don't remember the exact number. And, uh, the owners came back and said, no, we want to go up to like two fourteen. And then we want to go up to 215. And then we went up to 216. And you're going, wait a minute. Last year it was 212. So and it was going up at a pace of about two million dollars a year. So really, what changed? Uh, you're just going up another two million dollars a year, or even one for the next, you know, foreseeable three years at least. Uh doesn't really sound like they're giving much, if anything, at all. Yeah. I I mean, the whole thing has been comedic in general, the entire time. Anytime the players come with something, the owners come back with, you know, plus 1 million from where it's at right now when 40 million is being asked for. I mean, it's it's just been an absurd... I mean, it, you can't call it negotiation because it's just absolutely... Uh, it's like the farthest thing from negotiation, you know? <laughs> It's not really they're they're not really expecting the other person to go. Oh, okay, yes, that sounds good. We'll take that. I mean, they are a hundred percent expecting to try and break the PA. And at this point, I mean, they're just starting to make the the players mad. I would imagine. Oh, no. you know. Well, you know, like I said, you hear about uh, reports of the the players wanting to. Uh get up and walk away from the negotiating table altogether. Uh, that doesn't sound like you're making any sort of progress whatsoever. So, I mean, you know, and let's go back real quick to uh, you talking about uh, 
the players, you know, this, this impending date of what, uh, MLB has said is going to be the, the deadline for cutting off games from the regular schedule. And, you know, we go, we go even further back to December 1st when like I mentioned earlier in the show that they said that, you know, this was supposed to be a tactic that it, that was going to be used to help speed up the process of the negotiations. But here we are, like I said, you know, two months almost nearly before they ever met face to face. We've only seen Rob Menfred make his appearance uh, just in the last week or so. Uh, they've only actually kind of sat down on a daily basis for the last six or seven days. And, uh, you know, and then they want to say, well, if we don't get something done by Monday, we're not going to play a full season. Sounds to me like they basically waited to the last minute to get in to even try to do anything, pushed them up against the wall and said, here's your cutoff, take it or leave it. That's 100%. not negotiating. 100%. That's not negotiating whatsoever. Yeah. That's strong arming. It, it, the, the very definition of strong arming. Yeah. They know they have the upper hand and they're taking full advantage. Absolutely. I mean, I can't, I can't really put it. You can't really put it any way different than that because of the way that, you know, the whole thing took shape is that they more or less just kind of killed time for two months, three months, yeah, I guess two, <laughs> two months after, after the new year. And then they had disappeared for 40 days before that, uh, for holidays and didn't uh, make a counter proposal. And every proposal that they made in the middle was complete and total crap. You know, so I mean, it's like, how could how could the MLBPA just not be completely? Even Rob Manfred came out early on in this thing and said that we will work tirelessly, <laughs> tirelessly, for Day, tireless, tirelessly, twenty four seven. We're gonna work on this thing. We're not gonna rest. We're gonna make sure. And there was no, absolutely nothing done for what seems like and feels like an eternity. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, again, I'm not going to tell people whose side to take because I've been down this road a lot on the socials already. I don't really care neither here nor there. All I really want to see is baseball. Yeah. I want to see pro baseball, MLB level baseball, and I want to see a full season of it. And to say that, you know, I get that it's been talked about for you know a few months now that if March 1st came, you know, this might be the the date where things would uh look pretty dreary for getting a full season in. But the honest reality is is baseball is one of those sports where you can throw in a handful of double headers. You know, people say, well, you know, what do you get? I've heard the argument of, you know, oh, you got your closer going in game one and then he might have to go again in game two, you know, in a in a a must win situation. And I understand that, but I'm proposing my, my proposal for double headers is if we can try to get 162 games in double headers on, you know, say like travel days, they're the day before a travel day. If you're worried about wearing these guys out, do the seven game double header that we saw in 2020. I'm okay with that and do it on days like Sundays where, you know, Mondays are typically a, a travel day for a lot of teams you know, throughout the course of the season. Just my thought is, do we really need to start talking about canceling games already on March 1st? Yeah. And the thing was that they didn't even mention 
rescheduling him. They just said canceled. Right. Well, how can you reschedule him when you're trying to put 14 teams in the playoffs? You're going to be playing into the first week of December. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you know, they'd have to work out like some sort of doubleheader situation if they're going to try and reschedule him. But the thing is, is that they didn't even mention rescheduling. They just immediately went to canceled. You know, they immediately went to DEFCON 3 or whatever whatever the top DEFCON is. I'd have to ask uh, our buddy over there in uh, the... Uh, that would be four. DEFCON 4? Okay. All right. See? All, all I needed to do was ask. Oh, there's my you're, camera. You're in, in the, on the screen. You're to my east. Um, I was going to suggest farther east uh, on the other side of the ocean for the other guy who's talking about uh, DEFCON this and DEFCON that. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and move to the chat. Yes, let's. And uh, see, uh, Donuts33, uh, our very own Mark Orr, says we will What's lose up, a month of baseball. That's not what I want to hear. Where's the where's the fighting spirit? Yeah, I heard the same report today. Uh, MLB basically coming out and saying we're ready. We are, we are prepared to cancel the first 30 days or so of baseball right now. Oh, right so now. one is the max and four is the lowest is what I'm hearing. Yeah, right. There, there are four levels. All right. So, yeah, yeah, you learn something new every day. So next time I need to worry about firing missiles, I will know which one's which. So <laughs> that's uh, very useful. Uh, so Mark also says, just imagine if talks would have started immediately instead of a month and a half after the lockout, maybe things could be done. Yeah, but see, the, the whole thing is, is that you can't really say that because clearly there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of interest from the owners on actually holding up that side of the bargain that had they started earlier, that things might be done a little, you know, a little quicker because they didn't want no, to, to be, be honest, done quicker. I mean, this feels extremely intentional because like we've, you know, we've talked about it. It was said right off the bat that we are going to, we're going to do this thing. We're going to work day and night to get this thing done. And then they did nothing. And even when they did show up, they did nothing. And we don't even see the commissioner until, you know, six days ago. So uh, it, to me, it was planned from the, from the very beginning. And, uh, it kind of leads me to another point. I don't know if you're ready to get into this, but, uh, you know, we, have you been hearing about all the, uh, the antitrust chatter that's been floating around out there lately? Yeah, that's certainly something worth talking about. I can get into that now because uh, I don't want to. Obviously, I don't want to spend the entire pod slash stream talking about this uh, CBA thing. There are other things that are at least yeah. not quite as uh, quite. We as have been awful beating that about. drum for yeah. a long time, yeah. And uh, everybody's you know pretty much getting the same information we are. I'm sure we're we're getting it secondhand from tweets just like everybody else is. So, yep. Uh but, you know, I mean, the antitrust matter kind of goes along with or at least the point that I want to make with the CBA. And I, you and I kind of maybe partially discussed this earlier in a, in a chat for the uh, website. And uh, there was a group of us kind of talking a little bit this afternoon. Uh, and I, I kind of raised the point of uh, I, I believe it, it's possible that uh, the owners are so staunch in their position right now because they see the ruling that came out against the uh, the NCAA and their uh, antitrust exemption 
and how the Supreme Court decided that that was no longer going to be a thing for them. So they're no longer exempt. Uh, and, uh, you know, that leaves MLB as the sole major sports uh, provider in the uh, Western Hemisphere as having an antitrust exemption. And uh, I, I just wonder if maybe MLB is starting to see the writing on the wall and thinking that that's, that, that hammer is going to come down on them at some point. Uh, and the only thing that's going to save that from happening uh, sooner rather than later is to get a, a CBA done that favors them well, because I believe once once that antitrust exemption uh, is lifted and uh, MLB is forced to uh, open up its books, uh, I believe they're going to lose a lot of their bargaining power because uh, this crying broke stuff. And pretty much the whole world has got an idea that it's, you know, they're nowhere near broke. But nobody really knows how uh, far that gap is because, you know, the books are closed. They don't have to open them. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, they're kind of trying to get this MLB or this uh, CBA on lock because the chances of that, uh, that exemption being lifted are probably sooner rather than later. And as long as the CBA agreed upon that is going to take legal precedence as to uh, what's going on with, you know, salaries and, you know, revenue sharing and, and, and all those things. So do uh, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, we've been, you know, we, we've certainly talked about the mistreatment of minor league players on this, you know, pod slash stream for, you know, upwards of two years at this point. And you know how I feel about that whole thing. Uh, You know, it's a really, really sad state of affairs when you could say about minor league baseball players that if they were to get minimum wage, that they would make more money than their salaries if they got paid for their hours, that they would make more, more money for a season. And that's not even including the time where they have to go home and pay for all their own training and are still working to improve and, you know, get better at the sport so that way they can play, so that way they can get to the majors. I mean, they're they're working for the team, essentially. I mean, yes, they're working for themselves and it's going to benefit them, but, you know, at the same time, they're still training to get better for the team that drafted them or signed them, you know, whatever. Um, and it is a 12 month a year job. It really as is. Yeah. To what some people would have you, you to believe, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that seem like, nah, no, would it, you know, it would be with spring training and camps and, and postseason. you know, you're looking at somewhere between eight and a half and nine months for the, for the guys that make it the, the distance. But in reality, these guys don't stop in the off season, they're out there doing their workouts. Sure. Maybe they've got a little bit more time to themselves during that time. But when you're asking the things that you're asking to these guys to go out and do, you know, 18, 20, 24 days without a day off during the regular season, don't you think they deserve a little bit of time to themselves in the off season, all while still working on their craft? It is not just an eight month a year job. You know, these guys have bills to pay all along the way. And, uh, yeah, they're not, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that even if they weren't working all those hours are not making minimum wage. 
You know, there's guys out there making $10,000 a year or less. Now, they might be at the lowest levels. These are the guys you probably never see ever make a, a major league roster. But the fact remains, they are a product that a team is putting on the field somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and, you know. Yep. Mark Orr says, uh, Evolution, 100 years ago, it was a game. Now it's an $11 billion industry. Times change. And not only that, but, you know, there's also that it used to be a five-month season and now it's an 11 month season you know or or almost you know almost a 12 month season i mean they do take a little bit of time off here and there but i mean to expect these guys to be able to survive on you know 8 12,000 dollars a year you know whatever whatever it is that they're getting is just absolutely absurd and like i said it's a sad state of affairs when you could say that somebody would be better off and would make more money getting their hourly wage at minimum wage that they, you know, that they would be able to, uh, Ding, fries are done. quote unquote flourish on minimum wage more so than the, you know, that the, the paycheck that they're getting from these minor league clubs. And, you know, we, we talked about this as well before, you know, is they're sitting there, uh, demanding them to get their vaccination, which, you know, whatever I, I, don't even want to get into politics, but if you're going to tell them what they have to do, you should be paying them. Correct. So, you know, you can't say that they're an employee out of one side of your mouth and then on the other side of your mouth, you know, that actually cashes the paychecks uh, or writes the paychecks rather, say that they well, are and here's not the thing. Are they, are they employees or are they the product? Uh, yeah, I, Honestly, I saw this. It's, it's I saw this product. as well. We're, Hey, right. I, you know, and I don't remember who it was that made the statement. I saw the tweet earlier this afternoon, but it made a lot of sense. These guys are not, it, it's a twofold situation. They are employees. Yes. But they are the product. They are what MLB is selling to us. The fans, we don't go there. You know, there might be a handful of stadiums out there that you go to for the atmosphere, but you can get that atmosphere, you know, in a roundabout way, just about any baseball stadium you go to, whether it's minor league, major league, you know, independent league, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can go watch people play baseball. You can get a beer and a hot dog. You know what I mean? Uh, when we're talking about guys at the professional levels of, you know, let's just, let's just start a double a and triple a and up into that, you know, the major leagues, that product is uh, something that we pay, you know, us blue collar guys that uh, go out and work blood, sweat, and tears. We pay a lot of money to, to be entertained for that product. You know, not just the atmosphere. So something to think about. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, a uh, few, a few, a little bit ago, uh, Bob Nightingale says union official says we are still very far apart on key aspects of any deal. And Evan Drellick, uh says whether there's an extension of the MLB imposed deadline of tonight is in MLB's court, a union source said, but the sides have discussed it. Sides still said to be very far apart on key aspects of the deal. Um, I just wanted to, uh, so Dan Simborski from, uh, from fan graphs and, you know, Saras, uh, from the athletic, um, were throwing around some tweets the other day and this graphic came up and I just wanted to show this to, uh, show this, put this up here so you guys could see it because when, when I saw it, I thought it was, I, it was, I was, I thought it was great for a laugh. So I'm going to go ahead and throw this up here. 
it's comical looking at that graph and seeing the just I, the the flat payroll with a little bit of a an uptick, and then you've got the team revenue <laughs> going from the bottom of the graph all the way to the top of the graph. You know, yeah. and the uh, the CBT, it's it's uh, you know more or less it's almost at the same angle as the payroll that it's gone up, but the average payroll has stayed just as far away from that line the entire time. So it's almost like no matter what, the average teams are still, you know, somewhere around a hundred million dollars, you know, 75 to a hundred million dollars away from that CBT. So, you know, I mean, without a, without a salary floor, you know, which I, you know, I thought that that was going to be one of the big sticking points was going to be the salary floor, because to me, it seems that you know if you're going to raise the minimum salary, that it only makes sense that at least for how much that you know if you had all 26 guys get that raise from where they are now to the new minimum say it was at like 700 725 or whatever you're you're talking like $200,000 right so if you do that times 26 you know like that's at least you know what is that uh 26 times you know 200,000 so what uh 24 like, like 5 million 6 million somewhere around there uh you would think that at least the 2 million yeah at least the at least the the collective bargaining you know, floor for the uh, for the tax would at least go up by five or six million bucks, just because of that. But the things that they're coming back with is like, oh yeah, we'll go up a million dollars this year and a million dollars next year. You know, I mean, I know that not everybody on the team is making league minimum, so you're not going to have that much of an increase. I'm just simply saying. You know, I mean, for a no, team I like mean, the Orioles, it actually pretty close to you know a five million dollar bump on their payroll yeah we could talk about teams like the orioles and you know those the, the buckos uh you know uh the pittsburgh really really probably maybe one of the best examples that i can think of uh and for a few reasons one not only is their payroll uh historically low but two uh, they are receiving the same kind of uh, uh, revenue sharing as everyone else is across the league. And, you know, being considered a, let me use the air quotes here, small market team. Uh, there was actually a clause in that last, in the last couple of CBAs that you were, that the team was supposed to use a certain amount of that towards the product on the field, i.e. payroll. And there's been a handful of teams that have skirted that somehow. Now, I know the players are against a salary floor because they don't like the idea of if you if you end up with a salary floor, then they feel like there's going to be a salary cap, and they don't want a salary cap either. 
uh, a part of why they are negotiating for more money towards the uh, first tier of the of the CBT because they feel like it acts like a soft cap for some of these lower market teams. But the you know the thing is is in my opinion, if you're going to put a percentage towards what needs to be put into the payroll and these guys aren't doing it, how about penalties for that? How about some really stiff penalties for not putting the product on the field? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the... Or at least enforce the policy somehow. Yeah, I mean, there should be... There should be at least some sort of penalty for not even hitting or or basically hitting within ten million dollars of the uh, revenue sharing amount. You know, I, I think that if you are going to have and this is another thing we talked about in our group chat for uh, for White Sox Daily. Um, if you are going to have revenue sharing from these larger clubs, that go to these supposed uh, less uh, fortunate team owners, uh, the um, the plebeian uh, team owners, the ones that are uh, stinking plebs, you know, in like uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland and uh, Denver, uh, the teams that don't make any money, and so they need help from the big boys. Um, that if they you are going, you, to, you didn't talk in your sarcasm font when you said that. Sorry, I yeah, I need to type in teal and italics. Yeah, I'm uh, next time. Next time, um, if these teams are giving them forty, fifty million dollars every year for revenue sharing, how is it that they manage to not have to spend that money? That's the thing that I don't understand is that if you are crying poor to the point where you're saying, well, how are we supposed to compete? We're in a small market. These guys just come in and sign all of our free agents. Okay, well, how about this? You're making zero effort to even field a halfway decent team. You're getting $50 million from these teams every year, and you don't spend any of it. So Actually, that number is uh, much higher, by the way. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, it's probably like a hundred million. Whatever it is, I, I'm just you know throwing numbers out there at this point. But re- regardless, you know you can't tell me that Bob Nutting in in Pittsburgh, when the Pirates do well and they're winning, hey, oh, people, all of a sudden. people pack those stands. People will there it you is. know people go to is. Pirates games anyway because it's a really really nice park. So are you yeah, telling looks, me I've never been there, but it looks fantastic on TV. I wouldn't mind. Really, really it out. nice. So you're Heard telling me things. that you can't manage to go higher than fifty what whatever it was, like fifty two million dollars or whatever for your payroll, and then you trade a couple of the guys that are making more money during the season so your payroll even tanks even farther. And then you know, I in nineteen ninety-four Actually, uh, Grimtall sent me a thing where it was the uh, basically an account of the 1994 strike, uh, and it had some really interesting details in it. And one of the things that was a big point of contention was the revenue sharing between owners, is that they were having a hard time coming up with that number just amongst themselves, not to mention 
dealing with the players after that. If they can't, you know, figure it out amongst themselves, then, you know, when when they're going to negotiate with the players, they're kind of going in in an incomplete state anyway because they can't even agree amongst themselves about what they want. And I could completely understand why the Yankees and the Mets and the White Sox and Cubs and uh, the Braves and, you know, like the Phillies, these teams that actually, like, generate revenue, and I I know Jerry will – absolutely uh, disagree with what I'm saying here, but uh, teams that actually generate a lot of revenue have to hand out $100 million a piece to these owners that are doing literally uh, nothing to try and get a winning team. And all they do is complain when somebody else signs their free agent. So now they want a draft compensation pick, you know, which was one of those things that the players had fought for and the owner said, okay, cool, we'll, we'll get rid of those compensation picks. Well, guess what? I heard earlier today that those are back in play now. So, I mean, yep. it's just if they can't work it out amongst themselves, going to the players in and trying to negotiate anything when you can't even agree with the guy that's sitting next to you in the same room, you know, how, how, is, this, how is this thing going to work at all? And as we're seeing, uh, it's really not. No. <laughs> no, it is not. It is yeah. not. It's unfortunate. Well, I have on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> unless I see uh, pop up on the old Twitter machine here, if I see uh, that the that the lockout has now been ended and now they have a, a new deal and uh, everything's sorted, um, we'll stop that talk for at least try and you know, not talk about it very much for the, uh, for the rest. Yeah. Mark says, I got nothing. Yeah, exactly. When Clint Hurdle and Andrew McCutcheon were both there, they sold out like crazy. Exactly. My point, you know, the, the pirates, the pirates have the ability to generate revenue and they do because people go there, they travel there because it's a really nice park. You know, if you go and wait in line for the food, there's, you know, every single stand, there's people in line. It's, you know, they're, well, they're generating they're revenue. The you look at it, lowest payroll in baseball, or one of the, you know, it, it, the last few years in, in the bottom three for like the last three or four years in a row, in the bottom three in terms of payroll. But, you know, attendance is not absolutely awful. It can be at times. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are games where they're drawing, you know, Five, six, seven thousand, which you know, that's pretty awful. Uh, you know, we saw that a little bit here on the south side during the early tanking years, and uh, you know that that stadium looks a little uh, barren when you have attendance in the in the seven and eight thousand numbers. Uh, but you know, there's other times too where, like you said, people show up, and if there's another team playing in Pittsburgh. Th- that team will help draw as well. And that, it, it will fill up to 15, 18, 25,000 at times. Yeah, it's it not, absolutely it, will. It's not, it's not a black hole that is just sucking money out of the ownership there. It, it, it really isn't. And, and to say that you know they're losing anything is beyond me. Uh, is what you would call disingenuous. Very good word. 
Yeah. Um, so let's move on to some happy stuff or at least pseudo happy stuff. Um, so as we talked about earlier, Dan Siborski at Zips came out with the Zips projections for prospects. And as we know, uh, we talked about before, uh, there were many, many lists that came out with the top 100 prospects with zero White Sox on any of them. Uh, it was really, really awesome to see uh, that the White Sox not only had one guy on the Zips projection top 100, but they had two. Um, at number 20, the White Sox had uh, third baseman from Kannapolis, can also play some second base, can play some first base, probably could even hop out there in the outfield and uh, provide you with uh, at least a uh, borderline usable uh, left fielder, um, Brian Ramos. Um, did really well last year uh, as a 19-year-old in low A, and that's just awesome. Uh, seems like a really nice guy. Um, he he actually gave uh, my son a baseball at the uh, game in Kannapolis when we went, and um, yeah, I'm really stoked about it. It's pretty awesome. Got anything to say about that? Yeah. Uh, no, actually, uh, you know, the only thing I will say about it is, is, uh, of all the, uh, mathematical equations out there and you can find like, I think it's like four on fan graphs alone that do, uh, projections, uh, you know, and then, uh, BB ref has, you know, their own and everybody's got their own sort of projection system. Uh, Dan Zaborski zips projections. Uh, to me, at least over the last, I don't know, eight, ten years, whenever he, since he developed it, has kind of stood head and shoulders above the rest. So I always enjoy uh, watching that. And uh, I really, the algorithm that he uses is, is pretty fantastic. Yeah, it seems so like it's... To, uh, to see that is, uh, is very promising for uh, Mr. Ramos. Yeah, and coming in at uh, 87... You know what? Actually, what's really awesome, I'm going to go and look at the list right now. Um, one thing that I found to be uh, kind of mind-blowing, actually, uh, with having him ranked at number 20 is that he is ahead of uh, Marcelo, Marcelo Mayer, who was drafted by the Red Sox. Uh, and when you've got a guy that's and this guy's being touted as one of the one of the future guys you know at shortstop in major league baseball and he's coming ahead of him in these projections that's saying something um he is also ahead of uh Alec Thomas the outfielder uh son of our former uh re, uh not reimagined uh strength trainer um uh, apparently wasn't chosen because of some sort of a didn't want to put pressure on him because of his dad being with the organization or some nonsense like that. Uh, and of course he turns into a, you know, top 30 prospect in baseball, but, um, uh, he's ahead of him. He's ahead of Sixto Sanchez, the, uh, stud pitcher for the Marlins who got traded for uh rail Muto. Uh, he is ahead yeah, of the Phillies organization. Yeah. Uh, there's a Reds. Uh, he no, it was from the he came from the Phillies in the Real Muto yeah. deal, yeah, deal, and right, um, right. 
And he's also ahead of uh, C.J. Abrams, who is a guy that was rumored to go to the White Sox, uh, ended up getting drafted by the Padres, um, ahead of uh, the Martian, uh, the uh, outfield prospect Jason Dominguez for the Yankees, which, you know, when you see a guy for the White Sox projected to be ahead of those guys at the end of the year, that's a, a really, really uh, awesome Pretty unexpected thing. Uh, also, um, coming in at number 87 is a guy who made a lot of noise down in the minors last year, uh, Pope, Popeye uh, Jose Rodriguez. And uh, again, another one of those things where I felt that he was kind of being left off of a lot of lists. And I don't know, I, I kind of understand, you know, he doesn't end up in a top 100. But the thing is, is that he's young. And he was at multiple levels last year. He played in three different levels last year. He went from Kannapolis to Winston-Salem to Birmingham, all in the same season. And, and he's 20? 19? I 20. think he's, he was 20, I think. Okay. I think that's what it was. I think he was 20. I have to look that up right quick. But, you know, to I, I felt that he was kind of getting the – short end of the stick on that thing that he did not, uh, he did not get any mentions whatsoever. I I don't even think I saw him in any, uh, you know, yeah, he is 20 years old and 291 days. So he will be uh, in May, he'll be 21 21. years old. Yeah. So, but, uh, to not even get an honorable mention and he went through three levels, you know, went up two levels, two complete levels and actually played well in both to the fact that they moved him up to double A to end the season last year, which he didn't see a, you know, a, a ton of work there. Um, but even still, you know, to not get a mention on that, um, I, don't know, I thought that was kind of, kind of lame, but you know, uh, I could understand it because he's not one of those young guys. And uh, Grimtall says, I was really surprised Montgomery wasn't on there, but I think I explained, you know, that I explained it to him the other day. And the, the, the reason why, I said was because that, um, and, and the reason why he was drafted a little bit later in the in the draft was because he was coming out of high school as a 19 year old, and for some reason, which completely escapes me because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but um, as a 19 year old coming out, they look at it as being uh, not as appealing. Uh, if you, you get an 18 year old guy, cause you get that extra year. My, my whole thinking is, well, if he shows up at 19 years old and, you know, or 20 years old at low A, he's still coming into that level below the average player's age for that level. So you're still, you know, you're still ahead of the game here. So I don't understand how that really uh, should affect, you know, his rankings per se. Um, and he hit really well last year in the uh, ACL, uh, Arizona Complex League. I know I said I wasn't going to say that anymore because. Uh, well, you know, you can say it all you want today after I uh, finally got the. Re- Seems the ACL is the only thing I didn't tear. And uh, I, I, I suspiciously, I don't know. My doc seems to think I. Twisted my knee, my leg somewhere, which I have no recollection of. Uh, but yeah, 
So, so you said uh, you're going two, in for that for two in in two weeks. Ah, uh, yes, March fifteenth, two days before St. Patrick's Day, I get to go in and get. Uh, you know, I go under the knife to get my uh, my knee cleaned up, and I got uh, two of the uh, the dreaded triad torn. I got the meniscus and the MCL. ACL is luckily still intact. MCL is uh, a very minor tear. He thinks it should take maybe a stitch or two. Uh, But the meniscus is the real problem, apparently. But the MCL hurts like a mofo. I'm not going to lie. Yikes. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a meniscus has got some. Yeah, the meniscus apparently has got some scarring. So that's been uh, like that for a while, which uh, I pretty much already knew. Uh, The MCL is uh, newer. And that's why he thinks I did something, which I really have no remembrance of whatsoever so oh yeah uh mark war is also uh having some uh knee surgery as well we've both been hobbled man the two of us get together a lot especially when the weather's a little bit nicer but uh you know we like to enjoy an adult sparkling beverage from time to time and uh we've been kind of uh talking about knees for a while mark so good luck to you sir yeah may Uh, 3rd for uh mark or uh, Grimtall says rip 2022 starting second baseman, Danny Miller had you pencil hundred ABs. Yeah. That's, that's well, a negative. Know, they don't put too many lefties at second base these days. You know what I mean? Fair. So, there's that. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And besides, I mean, really, are you going to start over Laori? You know what I'm saying? Not in Tony's world. Yeah, that's a that's a tough <laughs> ass to to uh, to get ahead of Larry on any depth chart for the White Sox. Hey, I will say this though: the doc thinks that uh, my uh, my beer league softball days are uh, not going to be numbered this season. I should oh. be back out in the field. Nice. Well, there you go, man. That's great. Looking at, at an early May hundred uh, percent recovery rate. So that's awesome. It's not as bad as it could have been. I am not going for a full knee replacement as uh, Mister Donut Thirty Three is. Uh, my uh, my condolences, sir. My uh, my heart goes out to you. Eesh. Um. So uh, we have uh, guys starting to report to uh, Arizona. Um, Oscar Colas, his first day at uh, Arizona spring training for the minor leagues was uh, this uh, today. I showed up late last night. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but uh, there was pictures of him sitting in his locker next to Anderson Comas's jersey. And um, I don't know. I, I haven't seen yet a full roster of who's actually there. Um, I did see a couple of guys tweeting about being there shortly. Um, Terrell Tatum, uh, outfielder out of North Carolina State, uh, who played for the Dash for a little bit late last year, um, said he was going to be there soon. So uh, I'm hoping at some point to see an actual list of who's actually at these camps because as of right now, I mean, I know some of the guys because I've seen them in the videos. I've seen, you know, Jared Kelly and uh, Norhe Vera. I've seen... Uh, Thompson and Dahlquist and uh, Colby Smelly, um, Adam Hackenberg. I've seen uh, a bunch of the pitchers and catchers. now, And I saw Cespedes there. 
Uh, and um, trying to think yeah, there was like, like how many guys do they have down there, man? Because in that picture that we were just talking about, there was like forty C names. They had a, it was like they were all listed in alphabetical order. It was like I don't know Castillo and Coffee and Carrasco and you know Colas Comas. I mean, it was just C C C C C C. I'm like, yeah. wow, that's it. That's just the C's. Like, how many are in the A's, the B's, the C's, the D's? Like, I, do they have like four hundred guys out there right now, or what? Yeah. See, that's the thing is, I don't, I don't actually know. That's that's part of the, you know, not the problem, but I mean, you know, it's part of the thing. Um, hey, Colton's ten. How you doing, bud? Colton's twelve. Hey, what up, Colty? Um, yeah, I, I don't know who's out there, so. When I say, "Hey, I'm really looking forward to see so and so," it's like I know that most of those guys are going to be out there. I just don't know who's there yet. And you know, uh, it was Colson Montgomery's birthday yesterday, and so there was a uh, uh, hidden mic on him, and he's walking around talking to everybody out there on the field, which is awesome because it's nice to you know kind of put a personality with the uh, with the player, and that's nice. Uh, however. You know, you only see the people that he's talking to, and he's the only video that they put out. You know, I've seen a uh, video of uh, Cespedes taking some swings in batting practice, and I've seen uh, Montgomery and Kath mm-hmm. uh, taking grounders, and I've seen uh, pictures of some of the some of the Cuban guys there. Um, but you know, I, it's just I I don't I have not seen a list of who's actually at this spring training. I have to assume that they're bringing all of the guys that are on the rosters there plus some uh sign, you know, like some uh sign uh un- undrafted free agents and uh just free agent signings. I know that there's a couple of guys that they've, you know, a bunch of guys that they've signed um that will also be there, but you know, you don't see any video of it and so who the heck knows? I have to assume well, that most of the guys are there, but I don't know for sure because we haven't seen any of them. So, yeah. Well, I mean, at least we have something to look forward to. I mean, you know, regardless if we're getting a whole lot now, uh, games will be getting underway here in the next uh, week or two, and uh, you know, we'll have a little bit of something to look forward to. It's not exactly you know, MLB, but, uh, it might be a glimpse into the future of what we could expect in the MLB for some of these guys. And, uh, you know, it's baseball. I'll take whatever a little bit I can get right now because, uh, these doldrums here are really starting to wear on me. Uh, I've said it multiple times about how bitter I am at this entire situation. So just to know that these guys are down there in camp, the little bit of video that is being released, you're seeing guys. It feels there, there's that that little bit of the feeling of spring being in the air. You know what I mean? You get that little bit of warmth deep down inside. You know to see the sunshine in Arizona and guys in black and white throwing the ball around a little bit. Might not yeah. be the guys I want to see in black and white throwing the ball around a little bit, but there's somebody down there, yeah, in the right uniform. Yeah. So I mean, this has been this question has been posed before uh slash we've talked about it before is that you know we're not going to have major league baseball 
but do we possibly see minor league baseball spring training games on uh, TV slash online like they do for the uh, for the major league club? I I mean I would certainly be interested in seeing that. God, I would hope so. It would be nice. I mean, especially considering that absolutely you know nothing is happening at this point. I mean, I don't know what I, what we can expect though. I mean, these TV contracts that are out there, who knows what kind of clauses are in those and. You know, if we get anything on like ESPN or MLB Network or even, you know, some of the local stations that, uh, you know, cover some of the games here in town, I don't really know what those contracts look like. And if there's going to be any availability as far as, you know, televised games go, but wouldn't it be nice to uh, catch a, a man? I hate to, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to, I'm just going to go bootleg stream somewhere. Oh, get somebody you know, out there with their uh, with their little GoPro or something, and uh, hey, just... hey man, I'll I'll take a Facebook Live, dude. Ooh, anybody yeah. out there? Anybody going to like? like let's just put that in the uh, the ether right now. Man. Anybody going down to spring training? Anybody that's had plans to get down there and see some uh, some spring training games, even though they're they're not MLB? Let's get some minor league uh, something. Yeah, Give me so some video somewhere. The problem is. Uh, in the last few years, anyway, because of the uh, the uh, COVID, uh, the backfields have all been closed for a few years now. So I'm wondering if uh, this this keeps on going and kind of drags here a little bit. If they open up those backfields and allow guys to go back there and actually see, and if that happens, are the fans allowed to watch games of the minor leagues? And then at least we'll, I, you know, I know at least. Uh, we'll see uh, Sean Williams from Future Sox. We'll you know throw up some highlights because I'm sure he'll go to some games. I know a couple of other guys that are going that would you know more than likely throw some highlights up somewhere so you get to see some of this stuff. But um, I hope something I, I you know with this giant void right now of baseball that they put a little bit of effort into uh, putting something out there for fans to latch onto. I mean, besides the fact that they don't care about whether we get a full season of baseball and uh, they want to argue over uh, like 1% of revenue for everybody um, to uh, cancel, you know, like, uh, I don't know, weeks of the season. It seems absolutely absurd, but, you know, what do I know? Um so, why no major leaguers? Because they're locked out, so they can't uh, they can't be in Arizona. Well, I mean, they can be in Arizona. They just can't uh, they can't practice at white you know at the uh, White Sox facilities or team facilities, <laughs> if you will. Uh, they have to do all private training. So that is what they are doing. Um, it's a gall darn shame. Oh yeah, this whole thing, man. Yeesh. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, so that kind of brings me to another point. We're talking about these minor league players and being down there and being the boys of spring since nobody else is. Uh, Have you heard anything or did you see, you catch any of this stuff on Twitter today about uh, a handful of guys posting, and and I'm talking about MLB players, posting, uh, you know, about uh, themselves in overseas team jerseys. 
Uh, I did in particular see uh, one of Mr. Bryce Harper playing, uh, you know, kind of just saying, hey, you know, Tokyo, what do you think? Let's do this thing. You know what I mean? Looked good. Yeah, You know, I mean, uh, with what's going on right now, I would happily watch him play in Japan. Do you uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think that's uh, something that now obviously? And this is, again, we talked a little bit, a little bit about this in our uh, in our uh, our chat amongst the uh, the guys that uh, are all part of White Sox Daily. Um, but I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the possibilities of that. And uh, you know, do you think that it's even within the the realm of reality that it's uh, such a thing could happen? Well. I mean, if they got nowhere else to play and they want to play baseball, where else are they going to go? I mean, I guess uh, I did see a joke uh, on Twitter about uh, some of these guys just kind of moonlighting for college teams and just kind of wearing somebody's uniform and going out and playing. Uh, I did see a joke about that, but um, I don't know. You know, if they're locked out and they can't play, I don't know what what would be – considered a breach of contract and if while they're locked out if it's a breach of contract but if they go on strike because the lockout's lifted and they decide to go on strike is it still a breach of contract because they're not being paid so you know i don't know i don't know exactly where the uh i mean clearly there's got to be some sort of uh a line drawn in the sand of who can do what Oh, yeah, I would just... think I would think that with the lockout, it's it's almost like a forced layoff. In you know, speaking in terms of of the real world, the regular world that you and I live in, as opposed to you know what these guys do and, and what kind of contracts they're under. Uh, I think uh, in that kind of you know, in that kind of world, the forced layoff gives you know, like, let's just say union guys. I used to be a, a union floor guy i was a tile layer for many years uh and when i was they always used to say a day off is a layoff so you know we would we could immediately start looking for another shop that uh wanted to give us some work so you know being that now i understand that the players union is not your typical union it's not the same as you know the trades per se but uh again it's it's a forced layoff. So I feel like they should be able to go out and find work if that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, I mean but I herein I lies the you, problem that I contracts, have. Contracts. You know? Right. Contracts. That's now that's a different thing. And that's kind of where the question lies. Because now what if one of these guys say goes over to uh the 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 what is it, the J JPL or whatever. J B J yeah, JPL? No, Japan, it's uh NPB, J- right? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. The, the Nippon yeah. Baseball League, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. These guys, uh, they go over there, and you know, Bryce Harper turns his ankle chasing down a fly ball, or you know, Mike Trout steals second, and you know, pulls a hammy or turns an ankle or something like that. Now, the lockout is lifted. A CBA is agreed upon. Everybody's yay, baseball's back, but Bryce Harper's out for, you know, four months because he went and played in Japan. You know, what kind of what kind of circumstances does that create? 
what you yeah. know and repercussions so i, I don't really know how that's going to work but it, yeah i mean it's, it's one uh, thing if it's a free agent but if it's a guy that's under contract i don't know what the like where the the gray area is there for them to uh to go and do whatever it is that they want to do you know um i certainly would I just thought not it was be, in no, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Please continue. No, I mean, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset about seeing uh, some of these guys go over there and play, and I wouldn't blame them. You know, I mean, especially I just thought free it would be agents. An, an interesting concept or uh, an interesting, uh, you know, an interesting thing to talk about because we've been sitting here, you know, discussing this lockout for so long that it, it's actually a little bit of a different uh, subject you know, than what we've been harping on for three months now, you know, um, I don't know how it would work out, but I mean, it would be nice to see some of these guys playing somewhere. I just had a, uh, a great thought here. Um, so say, uh, you know, and I'm not hoping that this happens. I hope that this does not happen, but say that, Major League Baseball cancels the first month of games within like the next week or so. Okay. I'd, say, I'd rather not say it, but okay. I, I'm just, I'm just throwing a hypothetical out there because this thought got, just I'm came to it. my mind uh, as one of the most white soxiest of white socks things could possibly ever happen. Say that uh, one of the KBO teams decided that they wanted to pay Michael Conforto $15 million for a season and signed him to the KBO. And as he didn't see anything going here because they were still on strike, he decides to go to Korea. Could you imagine the absolute meltdown that would happen on White Sox Twitter because Michael Conforto is the guy and he is going to be the right fielder for the White Sox as soon as this strike uh, slash lock you know, lockout happens, uh, gets cleared. Well, yeah, I think, uh, that would probably be a case of me going on my profile and, uh, hitting that follows list and, uh, select all block. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that would be, that would just be, uh, (laughs) I have to say that would, that would be enjoyable to watch just the mayhem and soon, I, you know, like some, some people just like to watch the world burn, you know? And <laughs> yeah. and in in that one, I think that I would just enjoy just watching the world burn. Um I you I'm know I'm sure there would be some very interesting takes, as if there aren't already. Yeah. I just just a thought that made me chuckle to myself while I was you know, listening. And and you are correct. It would be the most soxiest thing. Wouldn't it? In the it, world. Yeah. It's just like the. You know what would be even right soxier? Is if it was Conforto, Cassianos, Schwarber, <clears throat> uh, and, you know, anybody else that was available to uh, play a corner outfield spot. I mean, could that, you imagine Schwarber from- in, in uh, Japan or Korea? I mean, how many home well, runs would, would be, that guy hit? He'd be a god there. I yeah. mean, he might not ever come back. Yeah, I mean, the you might just stay there, you know. Free sushi and you know hit eighty bombs a year with a four hundred on you know four fifty on base percentage, 
end up going yeah. down in history as the greatest <laughs> slugger of the Japanese league of all time. Are you listening? You're mean. Hello. Hey, Are you, out you there? know, yeah. I mean, I uh, I did see a picture of him uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, he had bright blue hair. Really, so, I missed that one. Yeah, um, I'm hoping that uh, <laughs> hoping that we get to see you know a picture of that you know uh, pop up or video of him running the bases with uh, bright blue hair sticking out from under his helmet. Um, so to get back to uh, actual White Sox stuff, I've been having a thought, and it's something that we had. Uh, it's it's not a Dodger blue. It's kind of more like a. Uh, a cookie monster blue. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's kind of more of a, a, a cookie monster blue, a, a, a light bright blue, uh, an electric blue, if you will. Um, so one thing that when people talk about the white Sox and the 2022 white Sox, uh, to be, you know, more accurate, they go through and they talk about the lineup and they say that they want Conforto or, you know, or whoever signed to play right field. Uh, some people have said, you know, oh, we'll just have uh, Vaughn and Sheets and Engel platoon out there in right field. Um, some people those, say those platoons have worked out so well for us to, up till now. But anyways, it's, I digress. It's, yeah, it's been so good so far. Um or they say uh, we'll have uh, Sheets and Engel platoon out there, and Vaughn will be your DH. You know, when we talked at the beginning of last year, and one of the things that I didn't like at the beginning of last year was how the White Sox penciled in Andrew Vaughn as the starting dh on opening day and then aloy ended up getting hurt and then they moved him to left field for 2022 it is being said that andrew vaughn once again whether he be platooning in right field with sheets and engel or whether it be he's the dh and the other two guys are platooning or, you know, or he gets limited time there. He spells Jose Abreu on a, you know, for a day off at first every once in a while, you know, like those five off days that Jose Abreu asks for every year. Um, they're just automatically penciling in Andrew Vaughn. Now, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I didn't like it last year when he was penciled in at D.H., and we're doing that again this year. Last year, uh, Andrew Vaughn had a 7.05 OPS and a 2.35 average. How comfortable are you with the prospect of once again Andrew Vaughn being your opening day starter at DH, knowing? what you got out of him last year. You're asking me this as a serious question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, isn't, isn't it? I mean, 
do, do you think it's a serious question? I mean, it, uh, I mean, I guess. Well, it's definitely a serious talking point. Uh, I just figured you. I assume, and now maybe I shouldn't assume for our listeners. But I assume you know what my answer is going to be. I have somewhat of an idea, but I'm just throwing it out there because I don't want to sit here and put words in your mouth. I want to hear what you have to say. No, no, no. I'm going to go right down that same road with you. I wasn't real comfortable with it last year. Uh, I wasn't comfortable with him starting in left field after Eloy got, you know, injured last year, playing orangutan on the left field wall, trying to catch a ball that was totally uncatchable. Um, and, uh, you know, the other part of that is, is, you know, Andrew Vaughn had some missteps in the outfield last year. We're not gonna, you know, we're not going to paint it any other way than what it was. Uh, he did, was he awful out there? Absolutely not. Uh, he was, he was, I would say right in the, 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 he right on the edge of serviceable for never, for, for not doing it. Uh, before, uh, ever in did, his life, did, yes, yeah, he did better than I thought he was going to do. However, uh, right. if you look at his metrics at the end of the year, Eloy's were actually better. But well, Eloy was actually looked improved to he me. Did. He did uh, last year seemed to uh, make some better decisions, which I think was maybe one of his biggest downfalls going in. You know, to last year, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I think I would feel a lot more comfortable with Vaughn in right field over Sheets. Because, you know, when you compare the two, uh, you know, and I'm just going by the eye test without looking at the metrics here. I don't have anything right in front of me right now. But, uh, you know, is is, I don't want to say bad, but as low as his metrics were last year, I would be willing to bet Sheets' were lower. Uh, one and number two, Sheets has just got a big lefty bat. I mean, we saw some of those bombs that he hit last year. When he makes good, solid contact, that ball is coming hard and fast off the bat. And you know, if he gets a little bit of launch angle underneath it, it go way. I'd much rather see Andrew Vaughn out in the outfield as opposed to uh, Sheets in the outfield on a day to day basis. And I believe Sheets potentially could be a, a very good DH. If we get any kind of improvement out of him over last season, uh, he might be better than, you know, a handful of DHs that have been in the game for this coming season. So, I mean, if that's what we're looking at, if we're looking at just what's in the organization right now, we're not looking at guys that are free agents that could be signed, you know, i.e. the, the Nick Castellanos's and the, you know, the Kyle Schwarbers and the Michael Confortos. Uh, you know, we're just looking at White Sox players in the organization right now. I would much rather see, if we're going to platoon, I'd rather see Angle out there for the defense. I'd rather see Vaughn there for, you know, hopefully getting over the uh, the freshman slump and, and bringing the bat together that he was talked about having, being the best pure hitter in the draft when he was drafted a couple of years ago. Uh, I'd much rather see those guys out there over sheets and I, I think sheets has got a chance to be a really good dh so that's kind of where i stand on that yeah i mean i i'm just yeah i i kind of figured that's where you were at and uh sheets metrics were worse than vaughn's whose were worse than alloy's metrics 
So yeah, I'm not saying any of them are a good good idea. Let's let me that. Yeah, yeah. I continue. Yeah, I mean it's uh <laughs> the uh you know pardon the pun, but the prospects of that do not sound good to me. <laughs> you know, I, it just seems like a recipe for disaster. I mean, when you saw how Lowry played right field in that playoff game against the Astros. What do you think that you're going to be seeing from those guys in the outfield when there's a scorched line drive at the exact same oh, angle you, from them? You, you're talking about that one that uh, you take a step in and then watch the ball go 15 feet over your head? That's uh, that's a tough pill to yeah, swallow. Yeah, the one that looked like he was on ice skates? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, all these rumors about the Sox being attached to free agents doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I at this point, uh you know, we've had this conversation before. I don't I'm not 100% certain that we're that as fans that we should really expect that they're going to go out and blow all this money because they're already top 5 in payroll at their record payroll of all time and I think that that even Stands even if they get rid of Kimbrel, I think that they're still real close to their all-time high payroll. I can't. Why would you expect them to go out and spend twenty million dollars on Conforto a year, uh, and then a starting pitcher as well? I mean, even if you go and get bargain basement, you're still you know like looking at anybody that's going to be worth half half of anything is going to be in the five to ten million dollar range if they're going to be any decent um and then you're still looking for a second baseman which you know i personally i think that Romy could handle second base and would be fine and i think that he will hit however you know again at at this particular point in time is that the white Sox are supposed to be in a contention window and we're talking about putting prospects out on the field to you know begin their careers when they're supposed to be in the contention window and you're hoping to not have a you know a hole in the lineup not that I'm saying that he will be a hole in the lineup I think that Romy will hit however no, and it's it's very he, possible that he comes out and he does the things that everybody believes he can do right off the bat but do we want to? Do we want to? Are we? Are we? We're not in the in the position to take risks anymore. Or at least, you know, if you're going to take risks, it has to be a calculated risk. You know, and that's the thing. We're not. We're not at that point where you bring up a, a rookie prospect and you go, "Hey, this is going to be the guy," but he might have to work through some growing pains. Uh, I don't really want to hear that. We've been hearing that for going five years now. You know, close to six. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not talking about growing pains anymore. We're talking about, you know, getting more than one win in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, give me the two, give me two and I'll, you know, I'll feel better about it. But honestly, if, if they don't make it to a second and third round of the playoffs here, it's going to be another season full of disappointment where the stocks run over a weak central division only to get run over in the playoffs. And, I, you know, I, I don't know how much more of that I can take. I don't want to be on nitroglycerin pills by the time, I'm, you know, 
well under 50 here, you know, I'm going on 47 and, uh, don't even want to think about that right now. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's, uh, there are a lot of questions and, you know, as mentioned in chat says many championship teams won with prospects. Yes, that is true. Um, that's a hundred percent true. However, uh, with this particular team, as the fact that we haven't seen the whole roster together at one time in two years now, where everybody is a hundred percent healthy, um, including a sixty game a sixty game season, and you know last season we have yet to see uh, what what last year they 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 were on the in the same lineup what ten games before the playoffs last year. So, yeah, so you've got that and, you know, you know, I, not that Cesar Hernandez was any great shakes, but you knew who your second baseman was and, you know, you knew that, uh, that Vaughn was sort of hitting and sheets could come in and do some things. Um, but again, you're heading into the next season. Assume I'm not going to assume that they're going to sign off on spending an additional $20 million of payroll. I mean, there's just a lot of questions. I, I just, I guess I'll just leave it at that because. And that's the thing we we we're supposed to be beyond the questions at this, at point. this point. Yeah. But uh, you know, um, you know, as mentioned, it doesn't make sense because teams cannot talk to players. Exactly. So that's, I don't understand how uh, like any of these rumors are, uh, you know, yeah, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, like uh, who's that? I think it was Heyman that said, as soon as the lockout ends, ex- expect the White Sox to be talking to such and such and such. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, duh. You know, if they're looking for a right fielder, yeah, they're going to talk to the to to Conforto if that's what they want to do, if they want to spend the money. You know, so yeah, yeah, it's like uh, you that's know, one heck of a prognostication there. Yes, uh, if I. If if when the lockout ends, the White Sox are going to talk about second baseman and right fielders. If well, he, no, Shiza Sherlock. Exactly. If Ian and Danny go outside in a rainstorm, they may get wet. So, uh, you know, there's just the whole thing, man. I uh, good good tweet from uh, Jock Peterson says uh, it's official. We'll play 162 games, seven innings each. 32 teams will make the playoffs and everyone gets a participation trophy. So apparently he's happy with where things are at. Um, let's see. Uh, John Heyman, 20 minutes ago says hearing now that players are resistant as a group to 14 teams in the playoffs. And it's not just one or two or a few against it. There's widespread consensus not to go to 14 postseason teams. So, yeah. Mm. I think we're in for this one for a while. You know, I uh, think, it's, uh, it's, I, I you know, I, I don't really think you needed to be a, 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 a warlock or, you know, uh, yeah, Gandalf? I, I, yeah, I threw it out there. You don't need to be a, a soothsayer. Uh, you don't need a crystal ball to, uh, to know that, uh, you know, Heyman's report was 
pretty ludicrous. Uh, you know, you've got you've got players. I mean, in, in, I can't. I don't even remember who which which player it was. Uh, but literally, when John Heyman put that tweet out, the very first comment underneath it was a player. Oh, this is not blue, accurate. <laughs> with a blue check mark that said, "This is far from accurate." Yeah. Well, I mean, there you go from the horse's mouth. Yeah, there was uh, another one. They're not uh, close. There was another one that I saw. It was the uh, the New York uh, the guy at uh, WFAN in uh, New York. Uh, tweeted out something that uh, fans are going to love this. Uh, you're going to love this new playoff format that has been agreed to. And then the uh, director of communications for the MLBPA came on and said, uh, on, on, tweeted out, you know, quote tweeted and said, this is not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I, there's uh, just news here from Evan Drellick saying that some of the guys have uh, of the MLB have walked across a dark parking lot to the player side. Um, I don't really see uh, anything happening tonight, but uh, you never know, and who knows if they, uh, you know, are going to uh, kick back this this hard date of February twenty eighth and. Uh, allow things to uh, go, you know, even farther into the night as it is 1123 at night there in their past 12 hours of uh, meetings today. So we'll see where that, uh, where that ends up. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just an unfortunate situation across the board, really. And, yeah. uh, you know, as it's been said many times before, at the end of the day, the fans are the ones that are going to suffer the most because, uh, you know, these guys are going to make their money whether or not, you know, they're first year players or, you know, players that are getting monster contracts. Uh they're all most of them are making more money than any of us. Albeit, you know, some of them I think the average lifespan of a MLB player, you know, when you round it out amongst all of them is about three years. Yep. But uh in reality we're all we're the ones that are, are getting burned in this situation. We're I know a lot of us I have a chip on my shoulder at the moment. We'll see how long that's something done but you know it just leaves me with a filthy nasty taste in my mouth the whole thing yeah let me uh look here i got i got something today um let me look at it maybe i erased it already uh whitesocks.com shop sale starts now i got that at nine o'clock this morning trying to get me to buy uh white Sox goods off their shop uh yeah i i've been getting a few of those actually I see it on Facebook, getting ads from that MLB shop, WhiteSox.com. I get it in my emails, and I'm like, "Nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down and see uh, Guido on the corner, and uh, if if I want some Sasuke, I'll, I'll buy it out of his trunk." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Giggities, what's up, man? He says I'll be attending a lot of minor league Yo. games, regardless. Yeah, uh, I am. I haven't uh, booked my ticket yet, but uh, the plan is to fly down to Charlotte um, the day before uh, opening day for uh, Winston Salem and Kannapolis, and stick around and see the uh, first um, home game at uh, in Charlotte, and go down there see some. Uh, See some minor league games. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, still, you know, 
over a month away at this point, but uh, can't come soon enough. And if this stuff drags on for much longer, that might be uh, the majority of what I'm spending ticket money on is to go and see uh, minor league teams. Yeah. Uh, the wife and I uh, ordered ourselves a new RV this year. I'm thinking maybe, uh, you know, she we spent a little bit more money on this one than the last one, and uh, she says we have to use it more. So I'm thinking maybe I'll talk her into, you know, dragging her halfway across the country to uh, go check out some uh, White Sox minor league baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth it. Those those parks are fantastic. I haven't been down to – I really want to uh, see Charlotte. Really, really want to see Charlotte. Yeah. I haven't been to I haven't been there yet either uh, because last year when I went down at the end of the year, um, they were out of town for the entire uh, weekend. Like what, like eight nine days that I was down there, they were out of town the entire time. So uh, I think it was like they didn't the, even get to see them play during that time either, right? Because every season or something. What was that? You disappeared audio. Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying that uh, even. Even though they weren't in town, you couldn't even watch uh, MILB games, you know, broadcast from where they were because they, they were either playing somewhere where there was broadcast, or uh, there was like monsoon season. You know, there was a lot of rainouts right around that time. If I'm yeah, well, the the rainout like the really nasty rainouts, uh, I think were the week after we went home. Oh, is that uh, what it was? Yeah, Maybe that's it what it was. Really, really got the the place that got really bad last year was uh, Birmingham. And they had like uh, something like, I think, in out of their final ten games, I think they had like seven rainouts, and like a couple of the games uh, that they had to, they they tried to get it done so that way they could get uh, playoff seating sorted and everything. They ended up losing and ended up missing the playoffs, which was not cool after the year they had last year. But you know, what are you gonna do? Um. I did see uh, on the uh, the old Twitter machine, and uh, forwarded out there on the uh, on our account, uh, said that there's a source that says Cuban prospects outfielder Cristian Lopez, who's 19, and Osmani Urita Rutia, something like that, Junior, who's uh, 20, uh, declared free agents by the commissioner's office and are eligible to sign with MLB teams. And uh, when I hear Cuban. I hear White Sox. There you go. Yeah, so I pretty much uh, assuming that uh, one of those guys, you know, depending on how much money the White Sox have left over. Maybe <laughs> These guys part of that group that was it defected, I don't know, like just a few months ago? Uh, you know, I I mean, it sounds like so it, it would be, be about right? Five months ago now, five, six months, somewhere in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, I would imagine that they have to be part of that uh, – Mass exodus from uh, Team Cuba. So uh, it's Christian Lopez and Osmani Urutia Jr. Urutia? Urutia. I think it's Urutia. Um, yeah, they have, they have a little bit around 1 million somewhere right around there. Um, from I, I, talked to, uh, I talked to James Fox from Future Sox and uh, that Luis Danis uh, Morales. Uh, was that... Is that who that was? Uh, Luis Dennis? I, I think that's who it was. Uh, the uh, the pitcher for uh, the Cuban pitcher that was just doing those workouts, apparently from what uh, has been bandied about is that there are some offers, but those offers for him are a little bit more money and for next year. So 
the odds of us getting just the uh, you know the the lucky thing because the White Sox happen to be one of the only teams with money left after the entire signing process is over. Um, you know, probably. I, I mean, I pretty much didn't figure it to be likely, but you know, you never know because a guy like Colas who got his signing bonus and is uh, here stateside and didn't waste a year to keep some of his bonus. So, I mean, maybe that happens and he just doesn't want to waste another year. But then again, you know, who knows? I'm pushing that date back really kind of screws everything up. But, you know, what do you do? A free agent signing period's uh, a little funky these days. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, again, you know, we've had this conversation before, but I am not a fan of the uh, full year loss because yeah. they moved the uh, the signing date. Not not a fan. Um, I think that this is a pretty decent place to call it. I mean, we haven't gone our standard amount of time, but uh, then again, there ain't really a whole lot of there, – there really isn't uh, a standard amount of news to talk about either because uh, – who wants to listen to two guys, two middle-aged dudes, bitch about a CBA for two hours? Anyway, exactly. You know? Yeah, I mean, at <laughs> least we had some white stuff, white sock stuff to talk about for crying out loud. You know, I mean, yeah. so at least there's that as a as a positive comparatively to uh, a couple of weeks ago, anyway. So, um, yeah, no, I agree and, that I mean, if they are if the offers are for next year, um, then cool. Um, I just don't know if if those are you know if the White Sox are one of those offers or not. I don't know. Uh, I don't have any specifics. I just uh, that's what I heard. You know how much of that is. Uh, you know how much of that is the it's reality a, of the scenario. I don't know, so yeah, I can't a, say. It's a it's a tough uh, subject to uh, really nail down any hard data until you start kind of hearing it from the uh, the big boys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he, you know, James is broken some stories in the past that have uh done well you know he did the uh the robert extension and there were a couple of other things there that you know he's gotten and i don't you know i don't doubt that he's got a couple of couple million dollar offers from from a couple of clubs i just don't know who those clubs are and i don't know if the white Sox are one of them so i'm not gonna you know say one way time or the will other. tell yep time will tell so um, yeah, I guess we call it right there. Uh, thanks for yeah. everybody that came and hung out. Uh, White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. That's my co-host, Danny Miller. And, uh, you know, if anything develops in the next uh, couple of days, I don't know, maybe you'll hear from us again if, uh, you know, if a deal gets made. Uh, otherwise, uh, probably next Monday. And uh, we're here every Monday, 9 to most of the time, 11, when there's a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, really appreciate you coming in and uh, hanging out and chatting and talking White Sox baseball. And uh, hopefully next week we look forward to talking about actual real White Sox baseball. And um, Wouldn't that be nice? Really would be. Would be nice to not have to uh, – yeah, scrape the scrape the bottom of the barrel, as it were, to talk about things that uh, we don't have answers for because nobody can talk to any free agents. So, hey, I think we had some some interesting uh, topics today. You know, albeit maybe you know a lot of speculation, but uh, nonetheless interesting. 
So uh, we'll we'll see what we can dig up next week if there's no change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll find. I'm sure we'll find something <laughs> to talk about. Hey, maybe we'll actually get some actual uh, minor league uh, spring training video, other than uh, you know, like a basically a combined two and a half minutes of uh, of video from down there. Um, but uh, yeah, so this will be available in podcast form uh, on everywhere that you get your podcast. Later, Giggies. Have a great night. Yeah, Thanks for coming in. And, uh, you know, whether it be Apple, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, all that nonsense, um, look us up, White Sox Daily. And thank you for coming in. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Have a great night. <laughs>